in the Old Testament, 1 Chronicles chapter 16. We're going to look at verse 11. It's going to be the primary verse from which the message will come. And we're also going to look at two other verses, one in Psalm 119 and then another in Amos chapter 5. 1 Chronicles 16:11 reads this way, Seek the Lord and His strength. Seek His face continually. Now keep your place there. And go to Psalm 119, verse 10. This verse is often overlooked because it's sandwiched between these verses. How can a young man keep his way pure? By living according to your word. That's verse 9, verse 11. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. But this is God's word too, and it's relevant to us at any point in our lives, especially as we look at this matter of seeking the Lord. Verse 10 says, With all my heart I have sought you. Do not let me wander from your commandments. And then in Amos 5, verse 4, just one line says, Seek me, God speaks, seek me and live. The words translated seek in the first verse, seek the Lord and His strength, seek His face continually. Same word in English, different words in the original language of the Old Testament. The first word has to do with seeking with our minds. It's an activity of the mind. And it's not independent of God's help, I might add. In fact, there's nothing you and I will ever understand from the Bible apart from God's revealing it to us. This is why people of incredible intellect many times can read the Bible and walk away with a vacant place in their minds. It did not compute for them because it was not yet revealed to them by the Spirit of God. Nevertheless, we are to seek the Lord with all of our hearts. And if you study the concept of the heart in Scripture carefully, what you soon discover is it's made, out, made up of both our minds and our will as well as our emotions. Ordinarily, when we think of the heart, we think about feelings. And that is a gross misunderstanding of what the Bible teaches about the heart. So we're to seek the Lord with our minds. And the goal of this seeking, we know this in light of the way the word is used in the Old Testament, is that we might know God. Do you know how important it is that you know God? Jesus says this is eternal life, that you may know God. That's eternal life. The only definition which Jesus gives he talks a lot about eternal life, and you can derive insight into various aspects of eternal life, but none captures it quite like that simple statement in John 17. This is eternal life. He's praying to the Father that they may know you, the only true God. In the book of 1 Samuel, the story is told, it's a cautionary tale, about a man named Eli who was the high priest, and he ignored his son's misbehavior. It's bad enough to have children who are still what we would call in the nest. But these guys were out of the nest. They were functioning as priests. priests and their names were Hophni and Phinehas. 
They were doing all sorts of abusive things in the discharge of their so-called priestly duty. And the Scripture says this about them. In 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 12, the Scripture says, The sons of Eli were worthless men. Would you hate to have that as an epitaph? Mike Woods was a worthless man. And by the way, the only epitaph that really matters is the one which God would write on a gravestone for you or me. And then the writer goes on to say, after having said the sons of Eli were worthless men, then he explains why they did not know God. Knowing God is the goal of seeking God. Knowing Him with a mind that is enlightened by the Holy Spirit. The Christian life of all the face in the world. It is indeed by far the most rational of all. But it's not simply rational. It is primarily revelational. God unveils the truth to us in our hearts and the eyes of our hearts are enlightened. And we are people who come to know God. And the idea of knowing God is the end game, by the way, of seeking God. We seek God in order to know God. When David was passing the baton to Solomon, his successor as king of Israel, he said, Know the God of your father and serve him with a whole heart and a willing mind, he said, and he will let you find him. Now let me stop here before I forget it. Somebody's already thought about this, I hope. When the Scripture talks about the imperative nature of our seeking God, someone in the room has probably said, well, doesn't the Bible say in Romans chapter 3 there is no one who seeks God? And you would be correct 100%. In fact, when Paul writes that in Romans chapter 3, he's actually quoting from a psalm in the Old Testament. So how do we reconcile these two things? Seek me and live, God says. Seek me and live. And then where Jesus says, I've come as the Son of Man to seek and to save that which is lost because no one seeks God. How do we figure this out? Well, just pause just a moment and think with me. Who wrote the words, seek me and live? Who wrote the words, seek the Lord and His strength, seek His face continually? We know there were human authors who wrote them. But behind each human author in Scripture was the work of the Spirit of God Himself. So in recording this in the Word of God regarding seeking, it's God's initial step in our direction in many cases to stir in our hearts a desire to know Him. So it's His doing from beginning to end. The second word in 1 Chronicles 16.11, translated seek, is a different word. I've said that already, but it's different in its intent. It's used, for instance, in 2 Chronicles 7.14. Many of you could quote that verse. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face. That's that word. And when you carefully compare and contrast these two Hebrew words which are found in the verse that we're looking at, 
The first one has to do with intellectual pursuit under the leadership of the Holy Spirit and revelation of the Holy Spirit to our hearts. The second word has to do not with putting your mind on the shelf, but what it has to do is entering into prayer and worship of the Lord. It has to do with intimacy with God. It has to do with relating to God. It was the idea of a relationship-building process for us. Seek me and live. God says in Amos chapter 5, verse 4, the word live, it should come as no surprise to us, it means to live qualitatively, to have real life, not just a counterfeit kind of life, but the kind of life which God intended us to have. It's the word that is closely akin to the New Testament word, which is used to describe eternal life. It has duration, but more importantly, it has quality. And it's something that cannot be experienced apart from knowing God. Because it's an intimacy in our knowing God that we have this kind of life. This word is used to describe the raising of someone from a sickbed and that person being able to do what would normally be done when that person is completely well, cured. It was used to raise somebody from the despair that has enveloped and controlled that person's life. This is the kind of life which God has for us, a life that is full of meaning to us and full of purpose. And when we seek the Lord, listen carefully, in the very seeking of the Lord, despair begins to dissipate. It begins to disappear. Because we get our minds off of ourselves and off of our circumstances as we focus on the Lord. Seek me and live. And this word, lastly, is used in the Old Testament to describe the bringing to life someone who has died physically. The Bible talks about us. Please pay attention. The Bible says about us as for you, talking about people who are believers now. As for you, you were once dead in your trespasses and sin. Do you know that? You had no life. That's why you couldn't respond to the Lord. And the Lord breathed life into you by His Spirit. You were given eternal life. And you were born again by the living and abiding Word of God. That's what Scripture teaches us. And unless you're born again, you will not enter the kingdom of God, is what Jesus says. It's true. We were given this life. We are alive spiritually because of what God has done in initiating the process to seek us, to speak to us, and call us to seek Him and live. Look again at Psalm 119.10 for a moment. With all my heart I have sought you. Do not let me wander from your commandments. This man who wrote Psalm 119 was brilliant. The reason I say that, this poem is incredible. And when you look at it in the original language, it becomes even more amazing when you see the artistry that he employed to give us this great psalm. And we know, of course, the Holy Spirit was behind it. Thank God that he uses people who are blessed in this way to give us things in Scripture. But what we do see here, 
He had to learn to read and write in order to give us what He's given us. So seeking the Lord certainly involves, I think you would know this, you would assume this, our reading the Bible. Because that is the tool which the Spirit of God uses to speak to our hearts. By way of introduction, we have seen that this pursuit of God is something that's a part of our mind, the part of the heart that is our mind, but also it has to do with our wanting a close relationship with God. The very idea that we in this room as individuals and collectively as a body of believers can have a relationship with the God of the universe, that seems ludicrous, doesn't it? It's laughable. It's absurd if it were not true. And we who know Christ have come to know Him, but also His Father, who is now our Father as well. We are His children. We're members of the commonwealth of Israel, is what the Bible says in the book of Ephesians. Because we've been adopted, we've been grafted in to the people of God. Now let's turn our attention in a little bit more detail about seeking the Lord. We're going to begin by looking at the process. What does it take for us to seek the Lord? What does that look like? Well, let's go back to 1 Chronicles 16, 9, 11, rather. One more time. What does it say? Seek the Lord and His strength. Seek His face. How frequently? Continually. We are to be in a mode of seeking the Lord at all times. This is one of the beauties of knowing the Lord. We can know Him in every way of our lives. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He will make your path straight. Unfortunately, the English translations don't do service to that third line of that passage in Proverbs 3. In all your ways acknowledge Him. That's the normal way in which it's translated. Do you know what the word is? It's the word yada in Hebrew, which means know. In all your ways know Him. We can know the Lord in all of our ways. In our homes we can know Him. In our marriages we can know Him. In our parenting we can know Him. In our financial life we can know Him. We can know Him in our citizenry, in our relationships with friends. You name it. Read the book of Proverbs. There's nothing that it does not touch in human life, regardless of the era of history. We can know Him. So, we know Him. We're called to know Him. And what that boils down to is we trust Him. We seek Him. We know Him. We trust Him. And He will make our path straight. It's to be a continual pursuit on our part. Also, the process is that we're to seek Him intensely. This is not obvious to the English reader. It says in 1 Chronicles 16, 11, Seek the Lord. Seek His face. In both cases, the grammatical construction of the command means seek Him with intensity. The writer uses the strongest tool at his disposal to describe the sort of intensity that is to characterize the pursuit of God. Jeremiah 29:13 God says you will seek me and you will find me when you seek me with all your heart. David says and 
the 63rd Psalm, the first verse, earnestly I seek you. Actually, the word comes from the word to dawn, with the dawning of the sun. The idea being that you have to be really earnest if you're going to get up before dawn. You've got to get up early. And that was the, pos- the position that David took. He was an intense seeker. And it doesn't mean we're uptight. Too many Christians are uptight. We're not to be uptight. We're just to be focused. We focus on the Lord. And I, in Psalm 86, 11, the Bible says this. It says, Teach me your way, O God, that I may walk in your truth. Unite my heart to fear your name. We need to be intent upon seeking the Lord so that we can have a united heart. The explanation for the fragmentation of our culture, I believe, is found in its lack of focus on God. Shattered lives indicate less than wholehearted seeking of God exists. We're to seek Him with our whole heart. And I've already mentioned that it's worth repeating the promise of God. If we seek Him with our whole heart, He will let us find Him. He has to let us. He is so fond of the person who seeks Him with a whole heart. The last thing is intentionally. The process is a continual process. It's an intense process. It's an intentional process. In Psalm 27, verse 8, David says this to God, When you said to me, Seek my face, my heart said to you, Your face, O Lord, I shall seek. David could have refused to seek the face of God. But when God spoke to him, what did he do? David sought the face of God. It's part of the process. This is not a casual, haphazard thing, the seeking of the Lord. It's continual, intense, and intentional. Let's look at the products. What happens when a man or a woman seeks God? First of all, He or she becomes the recipient of His power. Seek the Lord and His strength. That's what the text says, isn't it? His strength. In the book of Genesis chapter 18, I wish we had time to read it together. I'll summarize the story. It's the story of Abraham, the father of all Jews. The father, in effect, of all true believers. Because it was through his seed, Isaac, that Jesus Christ the Messiah came and became our Savior and our Lord and the Savior and Lord of all who trust in Him alone for eternal life. He and his wife had been waiting 24 long years for a promise that had been made to them when they were 75 and 65. That the wife, Sarah, would have a child and a boy to whom the whole world would be blessed. Three visitors showed up. Three so-called angels. One was the angel of the Lord. I believe that was a pre-incarnate visitation of Jesus. And the angel of the Lord said, after he had told this man that he was there to reiterate the promise that had been made to him 24 years earlier, that he was indeed at the age of 100 to become a father of a child who would be the progenitor of the Savior of the world. And so, Sarah's listening. She's inside the tent listening to her husband. She thinks he's crazy. He's an old man, you know. But he shows great interest and 
she, she laughs at the suggestion. And then what does the angel of the Lord say? Is anything too hard for the Lord? No. Nothing's too hard. The angel said to her, this time to him, and she heard it too, this time next year, when I come back, Sarah will have a child. His power is incredible. It's the power of the Spirit of God. I wish time would allow us to go into all the detail. But let me just give you one good text to latch onto when it comes to the matter of claiming the power that is yours. 2 Samuel 22.30. David by this time was an old man. He was in his 60s by this time. He died at the age of 70. And he makes this statement, By my God, I can leap over a wall. I no more believe that he could leap over a wall in his own natural power than a man could leap over the moon. But what he was saying was, By my God, if my God gives me an order to leap over the moon, I can do it. Because it's his strength, not my strength. It's a glad day. Are you listening? In the life of a believer, when she or he finally catches it, it's not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of God, the Lord God. He said that to a man named Zerubbabel who was faced with an insurmountable task rebuilding the temple. He had no clue as to how he would do it. He was scared to death. He was overwhelmed. But then the prophet Zechariah spoke on behalf of God, told him that. And what was a huge mound of rubbish and rubble was wiped clean and the temple was rebuilt because he trusted in the Lord. I don't know what your mountain is. I don't know what your wall is. But if you know the Lord, seek the Lord more. Know Him better. And He will give you the power to face any obstacle and overcome it in your life. The next product is His provision. Turn to Psalm 34. You're in the vicinity already. I'm going to read verse 10. Psalm 34. The young lions do lack and suffer hunger, but they who seek the Lord shall not be in want of any good thing. Is that a great promise? We don't seek the Lord to get things. We seek the Lord for Himself. That's why David says in Psalm 131, O Lord, my heart is not proud. My eyes are not haughty. I do not involve myself in matters too great for me. Oh, Lord, I'm like a weaned child resting on his or her mother's breast. I'm no longer fitful. I've been weaned. I don't need her breast anymore. I just want her. This is where God wants to get you and me. And as you seek Lord, the Lord and you get to know Him, that's where you'll find yourself. You'll find yourself in that kind of position, resting in Him, just grateful to be His child. You won't care if He ever does another thing for you in your life. But what He promises, if we seek first His kingdom and His righteousness, then all the necessities of life will be added to us. And we won't have too much clutter in our lives because that distracts us and keeps us from seeking the Lord. Isn't that true? It is true. His provision. Thank the Lord that those who seek Him shall not be in want of any good thing. The third product is his peace. 
Here again in Psalm 34. Look at verses 4 through 6. Just since what David is writing here, he says, I sought the Lord and He answered me and delivered me from all my fears. We sang a song about fears. Do you know how to get rid of your fears? Seek the Lord. Get to know the Lord. Understand who He is. He's God. He says, Do not fear, for I am with you. Do not anxiously look about you, for I am your God. Surely I will help you. Surely I will strengthen you. Surely I will uphold you with my victorious right hand. This is our God. He will never leave us, nor will He forsake us. If we seek Him, we're with Him. He's our protector. He's our shield, our defender. In Second Chronicles 15, 15, if we had time to look at it, we would read these words that the people sought God with all their heart, the people of Judah. And the result was that God gave them rest all about. Rest. Anybody here who needs some rest today? Somebody's wanting to get hold of you this morning. So don't, don't look at the text or anything. It'll mess you up if you do. That's from the Lord, by the way. Peace. His peace. Peace that passes all understanding. In Isaiah 26, as we were praying this morning with the elders, one of the elders prayed this. said, You keep him in perfect peace whose mind is fixed on you, Lord. Here's the last thing. His protection. Products. His power. His provision, His peace, His protection. Second Chronicles 16.9 says, The eyes of the Lord move to and fro throughout the earth. Can you amaze, imagine that? What's He doing? He's looking for people whose hearts are completely His. Why? So that He might strongly support them. Do you sense a need for the strong support, protection of God? How do you get it? Seek the Lord with a whole heart. Don't be casual. Seek Him. Make that your preoccupation in your life. Now let's look at the problems. We don't want to ignore the obstacles and problems to this seeking the Lord. The big problem is me in my life. And the same is true for you. We are our own worst enemy. But... We know in the book of Jeremiah, the Scripture says, do you seek great things for yourself? Do not seek them. Obey what God says. But in our pursuit of understanding the problems to seeking God, one and the big one is our pride. I do want to ask you to join me in Second Chronicles chapter 26. We're not going to read all of it. It's about King Uzziah who ascended the throne of Judah at the age of 16. He reigned for 52 years. His was a glorious reign. And let's just look at what it says in verse 5. Uzziah continued to seek God in the days of Zechariah, who had understanding through the vision of God. And as long as he sought the Lord, God prospered him. What was his success tied to? His seeking the Lord. Now glance down the page. Verse 15. In Jerusalem, he made engines of war invented by skillful men to be on the towers and on the corners for the purpose of shooting arrows and great stones. Hence, his fame, beware of fame. Beware of wanting to make a name for yourself. God does not 
like our trying to make a name. Because there's only one name we are called to make famous, and it's His name. Hence, His fame spread afar, for He was marvelously helped until He was strong. This is a little confusing. We're told in the Word of God, seek the Lord in His strength, seek His face continually. And now we read about Uzziah, who became strong, and when he became strong, everything began to unravel in his life. Well, there are two kinds of strength. The strength of the Lord, which is supernatural. It's not common to us. Some of us, by genetics and environment, are more strong-willed. We can do it. We can accomplish it. All we have to do is just work a little harder, work a little longer, get focused, and we can do it. But what happens many times when God has given us His favor and He has given us His strength, and it's demonstrated like it was in the life of Uzziah, he was a great tool in God's hands until he became famous and he began to read his own press clippings. Listen to what other people said about him. As they gathered around him, they fawned over him. His counselors were yes-men, undoubtedly. They wouldn't speak to him about his growing pride. Look at verse 16. But when he became strong, his heart was so proud that he acted corruptly and he was unfaithful to the Lord his God. For he entered the temple of the Lord to burn incense on the altar of incense. Only priests, according to God's law, could go into the temple and do what Uzziah did. He became a leper. And for the rest of his days, he couldn't even have contact with his family. He couldn't even go in his palace. A little hut was built outside, not attached, but in the vicinity of the palace. And he had no physical contact for the rest of his life. Here's a second problem, our procrastination. Isaiah 55, 6, the Bible says, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. You have procrastinated. I know there's more than one person in this room who has taken what this passage says and others that we've looked at and they thought about it before. They thought, I'm going to make that commitment. I'm going to make that commitment. But you have yet to make that commitment. What are you putting off? Seeking the Lord will make you a worthwhile person. Seeking the Lord will give you His power and His provision His peace and His protection. What would keep you from doing it? Well, it's your pride. You want to control your own life instead of doing what God wants us to do. That's to give our whole lives to the Lord. Lock, stock, and barrel. Today is the day of your salvation. Is what the Bible says in the book of 2 Corinthians. The priority as we wind this time up It's just a reiteration of what we've already seen. Seek me and live. We're not to seek God's hand in help. Primarily, we're to seek His face. What does that suggest? When you seek somebody's face, you're not not looking at their hand. When you guys were dating your wives, did you look at their hands? Well, maybe every once in a while. But the main thing you're interested in was her face, right? Look in her eyes. That's what God calls us to. We get to know someone when we look at that person in the face. And that's what the Lord wants us to do. And Jesus has given God a face. Philip 
said, show us the Father, it's enough for us? What did Jesus say? If you've seen me, Philip, you've seen the Father. We're to fix our eyes on Jesus, the Bible says. When I was a boy, my mother, if she told me once, she told me a hundred times, stop staring. Did your mother ever tell you that? In a restaurant, and I'm looking at these, stop staring, Mike. It's rude. Well, God says, never stop staring at Jesus. That's what God says. Keep your eyes on Him. Because He is the way, the truth, and the life. Seek me and live. Seek Him. Jesus is our way of escape from death. Have you ever stopped to think about that? No temptation has seized you except what is common to man. God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, He will provide a way out, a way of escape, so that you can stand up under it. In Psalm 24, I'm going to read three more Psalms. We're going to have a time of commitment. Psalm 24. Would you look at it once more? Psalm 24. Verse 6. Such is the generation of those who seek Him, namely the Lord, who seek your face, even Jacob. So, I want to be part of such a generation. Do you want to be part of this kind of generation? I do, and we can be. God wants us to be. Look at Psalm 27, verse 4. These are Psalms of David, by the way. Not all the Psalms are written by David, but these are. Psalm 27, 4. One thing I have asked from the Lord that I shall seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to meditate in His temple. Be in relationship with God. And then lastly, Psalm 73, 25. Whom have I in heaven but you? And besides you, I desire nothing on earth. That's what God would have for us. To put our heart in a place of desiring Him. Would you bow your head as the pastors come here to receive people who are coming for commitment? And as you bow your head, would you say to the Lord, Lord, let me find you today. I'm seeking you. Let me find you, Lord. I want to trust you with my life. The Lord was so glad to hear you say that in your heart. If you said it, He's so blessed by your responding to Him. He says, Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden. I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, and you shall find rest for your soul. He's waiting for you. Come to Him.